Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. About uh, continuing our morning series, Reason for the Season, because it just fits so nicely. Um, I don't know if you took home a devotional last week. Uh, we, try to, we were trying to hand out devotions as you go out the doors uh, each week, and those devotions prepare you for the upcoming sermon the next Sunday. And so you, for example, got a devotion on your way out. Hopefully you did uh, on your way out this morning. And if you didn't, there are some out there in the foyer tonight. Grab one, go home with it, do a family devotion together, and that is in preparation to our Christmas morning uh, message that we'll be hearing But last week, I don't know if you noticed, last week's devotion that you took home in preparation for this Sunday was that Jesus came to bring light. I don't know if you saw that, and I don't know if you connected the dots, but that wasn't at all what the sermon was this morning. And a little honesty hour, who who noticed that and who didn't notice that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't talk about it this morning, and I should have asked if you did. But we we didn't talk about Jesus came to bring light this morning. Because that's now. Uh, We're going to be seeing that John 12, verse 46, says that. Why Christmas? Because Jesus came to bring light. He came to bring light. And John 12, 46 says exactly that. If you, uh, you don't have to turn there. But let me read it to you very quickly. John 12. I'm going to be flipping around quite a bit uh, tonight. John 12, 46 says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Yeah, just that verse for now. And there's a lot of different understandings of what does that mean that Jesus came to bring light? What, what exactly does that mean? And, we could, and I think actually John has a lot of different meanings about that. Of course, he brings, um, in a sense, if you see light and darkness as this um, competing um, evil and moral good, that in an evil world, Jesus brings moral goodness and, and purity into the world. That, that's kind of what he's talking about. Um, but I think also what's central for John when he writes that in John 12, 46, is that he, he's, he's thinking about sight. Because light is essential for sight. And I'm going to be talking about that quite a bit tonight. Light is essential for sight. When he gives light, he gives a chance to see something. See something. We're not there quite yet. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me tell you a story just for a second. I, um, I didn't ask Sarah about sharing this story, um, but a fun thing that I started doing after we got married was <laughs> kind of a ridiculous thing, not so much of a fun thing, but um, after we got married, um, <laughs> We would, we would get ready for bed, she would get in bed, and uh, I would be the one to turn off the light. And when it was completely dark in the room, just making myself sound like a dunce here, uh, whenever it was completely dark in the room, I would intentionally trip and fall and make the biggest, loudest ruckus that I could, just, oh, and just like knock over everything over that I could anywhere around me, just because I loved to hear her laugh when I would, and, and it worked. For probably the first 50 times after that, she's like, seriously, I said, get in bed. Uh, stop <laughs> being ridiculous. 
and yet I still do it <laughs> all the time. Uh, I, I do. I just uh, turn off the light, completely pitch back. She can't see anything, and then she just hears all these things just getting knocked over and, and me tripping and falling. You need the light on to be able to see. Yeah, and I think that's really what John has in mind here, that Christ came to turn on the light so that we can have sight, and more specifically, so that we can see God in a way that we never could before. He came to illuminate God to us. Once unreachable and, and, and mysterious in many ways, only known through the prophets, now through Christ, seeable, tangible, relatable, no longer through his messengers, but he came as himself, not knowing the king through ambassador, but knowing the king by seeing him face to face. Christ came as a light, meaning now we can see. Now we can see God in a way that we've never been able to see before. And this is really at the heart of the gospel. This is the heart and central to salvation, the core problem for anyone that doesn't walk with Jesus. And this isn't a slant at anyone. This is just speaking according to scripture. The the, the heart of the problem for anyone that doesn't have Jesus is that you are in spiritual darkness, meaning you are blind. You can't see. You're, the Bible says, tripping and fumbling around in this world, unable to see the greatness and the majesty of God. And the solution to this problem is you need light shown so that you can see the glory of God. That you would see God, be amazed by Him, and respond in worship. It's central to the salvation story. So we're going to look at John 12 in just a minute, but um, that's exactly what John's talking about, John 12, that light is essential for sight. Light means sight. Light brings sight. That's what John's talking about in John 12, but we can't just jump right into John chapter 12, as easy as that would be, because we would miss all that he says leading up to John 12 that builds up to that understanding. John is building up the reader as they read from John 1 through 11, this concept that light brings sight, so that when he says, that is Jesus, I came as light into the world, that you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. What John wants the reader to understand, what he wants you to understand, the point that I don't want you to miss is that this light is so that you can see God, that you can see God. So let me walk very quickly through John 1 through 11 so we can really understand John 12. Light brings sight, and we see this at the very beginning in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Oh, we're in John 12 already. John chapter 1. Do we have it? John chapter, oh it is. John 12. Let me read John chapter 1 for you in my Bible here. And it's actually the first four verses, John 1, 1 through 5, is what we'll be looking at. Yell at me if it jumps up there, otherwise I'm going to be looking down. Wow, thank you. No, it's not. Oh, it is the right words. It's just frozen. Look at this. Okay, so ignore the bottom part. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, 5. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. This is John chapter 1. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> not your fault. In the beginning was the Word. This is John writing. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John is actually alluding to the creation, isn't he? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and and all things came through him. So he's talking about the genesis of the world. Ever since God said, let there be light, men could see the glories of God. Picture this image with me. God has his creation on display, but all lights are shut off, so you can't see it as the audience. And when he says, let there be light, it's like he pulls the drape off and turns on the lights, and we can see it for the first time, and it's glorious, and it's amazing. He says, let there be light, so you can see the creative handiwork and majesty of God. Really, this let there be light is an invitation to see his mountains, his waterfalls, his rolling hills, all of them, so that you can see him and his creative abilities in the beginning was the light. And then if you go to John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and uh, Jesus says that people are going to hate and despise this light. We read it in verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people have loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest he, his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. Do you see that? If you are in the dark, you can't see anything. And people love that. But if you come into the light, all of a sudden your works can be seen. There's this correlation between light and seeing. I'll be honest. I uh, hate, hate with a burning passion, light in the morning. Uh, I'll even, <laughs> not like, I don't hate the light, like, John 3 talks about, but I, I, I despise bright lights in the morning. Uh, even this morning is a perfect example. Uh, Sarah and Judah came and woke me up, and I said, Judah, uh, daddy, 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 and he flips on the light, and I roll over, put my face in my pillow, and just grunt, like, <laughs> I hate it, and uh, Sarah knows it. She knows that I hate uh, any kind of lamp or anything. I just want, like, very dim lights. I think people in the world hate light. Not talking literal lights, but the light that Christ brings. Because it, it means exposure to their sin. It means opening up to the flaws that they have. And that's true with just literal lights. When the lights are turned on and you're walking in the light, people can see what you're doing. So how much nicer it is to walk around in darkness where no one can see, and no one will judge, no one will critique. Light brings sight. Light brings sight. If you go to John chapter 8, Jesus claims to be this light that everyone hates. Verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus claims to be this light that is illuminating. 
for those who follow him, it's interesting, are not walking in darkness. It means you're not blind. When you have Christ, you can see. You can see you're not blind, but you walk with sight. Again, just this concept that John is building up to verse chapter 12, that light brings sight. I think probably the pinnacle part in this buildup is John chapter 9. The story that demonstrates how the light of the world brings sight to the blind. We see in verses 13 through 15, this blind man has been healed by Jesus, literal blind man. Uh, Jesus heals him. And the Pharisees don't like it. They don't like it at all. Chapter 9, verse 13 says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and and I see. Just an amazing thought that he would even do that. But they were outraged at this, and they were mad. They pulled in his parents, and they started questioning his parents. Do you know about this? When did he become blind? Was he born blind? They were just trying to figure out what happened. They pulled him back in. They started questioning him again and discontent with what he has to say. Because all he has to say is, the man gave me sight. That's what, all I know. He must have been from God. And we read then in verse 34 through 38, Pharisees asked him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. I love Jesus' response. He didn't cast them out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, Jesus said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, well, and, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. You see, what's amazing is this man could see, and I'm not talking literally. He could see better than anyone else. He could see better than the Pharisees. The true miracle wasn't that his eyes were actually healed. The true miracle was that he saw God through Christ and believed. He had a spiritual sight. Jesus brought this light for sinners who don't know God to see God and to worship him. And so my question, I guess, for I want you to ponder as we step into now John chapter 12 is, can you see? Can you, can you see? Has light shone in your life for you to see the glory of God? Because you, you, the Pharisees, they could literally see with their eyes, but they were blind as bats. Spiritually. Jesus was right there in front of them and they saw nothing. They didn't see God. And so, can you see? Now having all that context, let's step into John chapter 12 for the short time that we have left. Light leads to sight. And so, in John 12, actually verses 35 and 36, Jesus is teaching about light. He's saying the light, walk in the light, don't walk in the darkness. And then we read this in verse 37. Though Jesus had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, 
Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the, uh, of the Lord been revealed? Keep going. Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Let's just stop there for a second and go back. I just want to think on this for a second. Verse 37 says that they saw many signs. They literally, they, they saw many signs that Jesus did, and yet they didn't believe. And Jesus says this is because it fulfills the prophecy from Isaiah that they would be blind. So do you see this? They, they actually saw Jesus, Jesus healing, Jesus multiplying the bread. They saw these things, and yet they were blind. They were, they were absolutely blind. Verse 40 it says that God is the one who blinded them so they couldn't see, lest if they did see, they would believe and then he would heal them. So God does the blinding here. It's another sermon for another day. But if you don't see the glory of God in the person of Christ, I just want to talk to you directly. I want, I want so badly for each person here to, to see, to see with the eyes of their heart, to, to know God, through the person of Christ, revealed in this word. If you don't see the glory of God in the person of Christ, the best thing for you is that light would be shown into your eyes and you would see. So if you hear the voice of God, don't turn from it. And if you see the glory of God, the awesomeness of God, don't ignore it. So we compare this, these people that can literally see, but they're actually blind, with the person of Isaiah. In verse 41, it says, Isaiah saw, said these things because he saw God's glory and he spoke of him. I'll just pause there for a second. It's true that Isaiah literally saw the glory of God. It's Isaiah 6. Do you know the story? It's amazing. If you haven't read it before, I encourage you to go and read it. But um, Isaiah chapter 6, he is, he's taken up to where he, he has this vision of the throne room of God. And he actually sees these cherubim with wings and the robe of God. And he just begins to describe the throne room. Could you just imagine, just comprehend the awesomeness and the glory radiating that he must have seen. So he literally saw the glory of God. But I think this verse is actually talking about more than just Isaiah chapter 6 that he literally saw with his eyes. I think it's also talking about how he saw with the eyes of his heart. I also think that it's just saying Isaiah believed God. He saw the majesty of God in his life. So you have these two competing groups. You have the first group, the crowd, that while they saw Jesus, they were blind to God. And Isaiah who actually saw. He had legitimate sight to the awesome and the grandeur of God. I went to Colorado a couple years ago, two years ago, I think, with my family, and I remember, I was like, this is going to be a great sermon illustration one day, and here it is. Um, We were walking through this mountainous area in Colorado. If you've ever been, just absolutely beautiful, and 
me and my family, my siblings, and we're walking through this mountainous area, walking through this trail. It's a few miles, and uh, I just remember my sister hated it, absolutely hated every bit of it. She was just like, just screaming, and I won't do it because, you know, microphone, and that'll bother you, but, but she's just like yelling, I want to go back to the car, and she's crying, and she's like sitting on a rock pouting, and my mom's like, Adeline, get up, come on, and she's like, no, not another step, and so she's like refusing to go, and, and she's like, I just want my phone, because my mom took her phone, and she said, enjoy the nature, Adeline, and she's like, give me my phone, <laughs> just hates it. And, and I think about that when I read this story, and I just picture, like, that, that's the crowd, right? I mean, they literally see this grand view. Jesus himself is standing right in front of them, and they see it, and they're like, I just want to look at my phone. I want to go to the car. And it's all that we have in us, Right? just to say, are you blind? Do you not see the awesomeness right in front of you? And that's what Isaiah is, right? He saw the glory, and he spoke of him. He just had to tell everyone else about it. That's the two comparing groups in John 12. And then there's this third group, these people who are on the fence, you could say. Verse 42 through 43 says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear, so they believed, right? So they had had sight, they believed. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Listen to verse 43. For they loved man's glory more than the glory that comes from God. They were scared of the opinions of people. They were scared of the authorities of people. They were scared of the damage that people could do to them. They looked at people and trembled. Said, I'm not going to say a word. They could hurt me. They could throw me out of the synagogue. They looked at people and trembled more than they saw God and trembled. It's interesting. They kind of saw, right? They believed. They saw Jesus and they're like, yeah, there's something special about this guy. They believed that he was from God. So is it enough to say they, they had sight? They cared more about the opinions and persecution of people than the glory of God. And I think the reality is, is that they didn't see the glory of God at all if they cared more by man, more about man than about God. If they were more impressed about man and what man would do, and what, man, what man can do than God, they don't see God at all. It's like, it's like you seeing a Lego model of the Grand Canyon and the backdrop is the actual Grand Canyon. And you're like, man, look at that Lego. That is amazing. What a neat construction of the Grand Canyon. That's so cool. And then if you just lift it up, you're like, there's the Grand Canyon itself. And you're just impressed by this Lego, little Lego model. Again, we just say, are you blind? Are you blind? Do you not see? And I think it's true with you and I. Maybe it's true for you, actually tonight. We care more about the opinions of man than the commands of God. We may be blind to how big God really is. And we need the light 
of God to be shown in our eyes to see the greatness of God. That the Grand Canyon would be bigger than the little Lego model. So Jesus finally speaks out when he, when he hears these people and he sees these people. They're, they kind of believe there's something about him, but they're like, yeah, we're not going to say anything. People are too scary. Jesus is fed up with it. He can't deal with it. So verse 44, we see that he actually speaks out. It says, Jesus cried out and he said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, Sorry, let me say that. Believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. First time, uh, the last time that we see Jesus in the narrative before this point, if you're looking at your text in John 12, actually, last time we saw him was in verse 36. It says that he departed and he hid himself from them. So Jesus sneaks off to a distant place and he gets alone and then he just starts talking about how the people kind of believed and some believed and others didn't. But Isaiah said this was because of the hardening of the heart and then Jesus just must be observing from a distance and finally he just can't take it anymore. And so verse 44, it says that he finally came back out. He cried out. He says, I have to address this. He steps into the conversation and he yells out to them, if you see me, you see God. Do you not understand People that think there's something about me, but not enough to stand up to other people about me? You're looking at God. Do you hear what Jesus is is saying? He brings light so that you can see God himself. So this is my main point for you tonight. That Jesus is the floodlight. Just picture a floodlight. He is the floodlight, the, the spotlight that lights up the glory of God for man to see, better than any glory that man can provide, anything else in this world that might be appealing to you, Jesus is the floodlight that just turns on and makes God radiate in his awesomeness. Through the person of Jesus, you and I can see on full display God's judgment towards sin. We see a full display in the person of Jesus. He's hanging on the cross for your sins and my sins. Through the person of Jesus, you see in full display God's kindness to you and to me, his gentleness, his compassion in the person of Jesus and how he speaks to people and cares for people. In the person of Jesus, we see on full display God's forgiveness towards you sympathy for you, his interest in you, that he would step down from heaven to be joined in union with you. In the person of Jesus, you can see on full display that God remembers and hasn't forgotten his people. As you look that Jesus would come down from heaven, step down from glory, humbling himself by taking on the flesh of man, You look at Jesus and you say, wow, God. He's the light that shines in our eyes to see the glory of God. This is why Jesus came into the world. To bring sight to the blind. To bring light to our eyes that we might see. Natural response to that. 
is to spread that light into other people's lives. So if you walk with Jesus today and you, you see, you really see the awesomeness of God, you know the natural response for you and I Say, wow, I, I, I want you to see. Can you, can you see too? Right? I see. I, I want you to see. Can, you, can I show you this? That would be our life's mission. That's Emmanuel Baptist Church's mission, that everyone would see God through the person of Jesus, that we would treasure God, that everybody would always treasure God through seeing Jesus, the light. So I want to actually demonstrate that tonight as we're wrapping up. If we could kill the lights. Nobody panic. Nobody panic. It's going to get scary. Well, this is going to be a dud of a demonstration if I'm still... There it is. I think even the lobby lights, maybe. That would be even better. Thank you so much. That's great. Yeah. That's good. See, without Christ in the world... This is, this is what we get, darkness. Without Christ in the world, we can't see God. We can have concepts of God. We can have guesses of what God is like. We can have dreams of what God is like. You can't see. You can't see God. You can wish to know God, but you'll never know God. Until Christ came into the light, into the world. Small spark of light. In a very unassuming way, Jesus came into the world, bringing the very image of God. That now, while we could have dreams of God and thoughts of God through his prophets, his messengers, now we can actually see the face of God. We can see the hands of God. We can see the compassion of God lived out as he walks right up to people. That he would literally die for people. And so then, the message for us, I want everyone else to see this light. I want everyone else to see the Grand Canyon. I want everyone else to see the awesome sight that I see when Christ came into my life. And so God calls us to do exactly that. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine, which is the light that Christ brings into your life. Let your light shine so they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. And once you start doing that, you start doing good deeds and you start demonstrating Christ in your life and showing there's something different about you with this light in you, now the light starts to spread as people start to see the light of Christ in you. And they see it, and they glorify God. And it all started with God himself shining this light 2,000 years ago that we might see him, actually see him. And so, while the candles are spreading, I want you to notice something. The room starts to look a little bit more bright, doesn't it? Trent was telling me before, uh, before service tonight, he said, you know, I used to be, I don't, can I share that? Yeah, okay. He said, I used to be really scared of the dark. <laughs> and uh, 
And he said, but you know what really made all the difference was I just had a little nightlight when I was a kid. I, uh, maybe it's still true. I guess I didn't ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> he said, what made all the difference is that little light in my room. And even though the rest of the room was dark, it, it gave me hope in an otherwise scary place. When Christ came into the world, he gave a dark and evil world hope. And as the gospel of Christ, the name of Jesus, begins to spread all around the world, you look around, you can see a whole lot better. A lot more people can see. A lot more people have sight. A lot more people have hope in an otherwise dark, dark world. So the way we want to finish the service tonight is a unique way is uh, Pastor Trent's going to lead us in a song as we reflect on these truths and then I'll come back up and pray us out tonight. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.